welcome back, everybody, to the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your free resource about Ohio State athletics on the internet. Uh, I am your intrepid host, Mr. Matt Brown. I am at Matt SBN. I am the managing editor of this website. Uh, I also am one of the college league managers for SB Nation. We are recording this show on uh, the afternoon of Tuesday, December 6th. And uh, I got to be honest with you guys, now that the regular season is over for college football, I have come down with, I think, what just about every other sports writer is experiencing right now. I have a, I have a capital case of the man flu. Got that that tickle in the throat, that, you know, that, that struggle to get up in the morning. You know, I kept on I kept on thinking that I was this is when I was going to start to wean myself off of caffeine after turning, you know, low carb monster drinks into about a third of my bloodstream during the season. So I could stay up to watch stupid Washington State football. But that day is not today. But because I am a serious professional and because I love you, the listener came to the office today anyway. We're going to power through that struggle because uh, we have a couple of important things to talk about. Colton, uh, I think we should start with this. There is a rumor that Ohio State will play at least one additional football game. Can you confirm or deny? I, absolutely. I will damn well confirm that Ohio State is in the playoff and not only in, but getting the number three spot, which we can talk about whether that was surprising or not, but it seemed like a lot more suspense was had through the media and the fans than there was from the actual committee about Ohio State. And even even ESPN during that, uh, the lead-in to when they, um, when they announced the teams, they kind of prepped it by acting like Ohio State was a lock, which I thought was pretty weird given all the talk about it. But it seems like it was a lot bigger of a question from people outside than it was from the actual committee, which I don't think is a huge surprise, but I thought it would be at least a little bit more suspense than it actually was. Did you enjoy watching championship weekend when Ohio State wasn't playing? Yes, I, I actually did a lot because I, I thought that there was a good chance that they were in. And I think after watching Washington destroy Colorado, which personally sucked for me, but that was the moment where you realized, okay, Ohio State is in because that was, you know, that that was, I think, the thing that was going to keep Michigan out. And that was the moment where I kind of realized, okay, that not only did Washington win, but they blew Colorado out. They're in the playoff. So uh, by Saturday, it was, I think, merely academic. And I wanted to see Wisconsin win because obviously fuck Penn State. But it was at least fun to watch those games. But I didn't really think that there was too much drama on Saturday, despite the ACC title game and the Big Ten title game being good games. Uh, yeah, the quality of football was, uh, I think, pretty good uh, across the entire day. I, I didn't, I didn't watch football the entire day. The non-Florida part of the football. I didn't watch any any of the SEC championship game, and I only watched part of the Conference USA championship game. I, I had Christmas shopping to do. I didn't have to work the entire day. But it was interesting. I mean, after you know, 11, 12 weeks, I think it's kind of weird to have a football Saturday when Ohio State's not playing. And I understand that a lot of fans and some media members are really confident that Ohio State was a lock. And I personally didn't feel that way, uh, just because this was an unprecedented situation. And, you know, based on metrics or based on resume and, and based on what we have been told by the committee, sure, seemed like Ohio State was going to be a lock. Uh, any of the particular, you know, if, there, if any one of the championship games had gone on turned out a little bit differently, then I think there would be even less drama. But this was basically kind of the uh, the, the lineup of, of chalk plus Penn State winning that could potentially make Ohio State fans nervous. I'm like, well, you know, it, it's possible. 
a team that has never won a conference champion that didn't win a conference championship has never made the playoffs before. But but this year they did, and and I, I can't fault that. Buckeyes have a, a a great resume. I think they have earned that three seed and a rematch against Clemson. Now the 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 real harumphing here seems to be on the four seed. And I don't want to spend like 15 minutes on this because I'm sure at this point in the week, you're probably a little bit tired of hearing about it, but just, 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 just to, to make sure we're not missing anything here. Uh, the committee selected Washington, your PAC 12 champion over the big 10 champion, Penn State. And some Penn State fans are mad online about this. Do you think that this was a fair and justifiable decision? Yes. I think that from what we've seen from the playoff committee and even dating back to the BCS, you know, everybody on Twitter wanted to talk about, you know, what are, what are the committee's criteria and do they have the same criteria every year or does it change every year? And yeah, I think it does. It depends on the season. It depends on, you know, what the two or three best teams do and then you filter down from there but I think at the end of the day the biggest criteria and this has pretty much always been the case outside of that weird ass 2007 season don't lose two games you do, you lose one game or you go undefeated you have a really good chance you lose two games and even if you win a conference title you're probably not going to get into the playoff and I think that Penn State if they would have taken them at the four I wouldn't have thrown a big fit they, they deserved it they won the Big Ten they played awesome throughout the last two months of the season and I I think it would have been justified, but I, th- I think it's even more justified that they were left out because as good as they've played for the last two months, you still lost two games. You got destroyed by Michigan and you lost to a pit team who, although they have some good wins along with the Clemson win, that's an eight and four team. So I think that Penn State at the end of the day, they, they kind of made their own grave when it came to that. So I, I don't think it's a big deal. And that's even just putting aside my personal feelings about Penn State. But no, I, I don't think that they really deserved to be in when you, you match them up against Washington or even Michigan for that matter. But yeah, I, I just don't think it was a big deal that they were left out. I, I don't think it's a travesty or anything. Yeah, I, I, tra- tra- travesty would certainly not be the word that I would use. I, I feel like you can make a convincing argument for both, but this decision isn't so crazy that it's not worth getting mad online about or anything. The, uh, the, the more interesting question, I think, between the two, and, and this is the, the line of thinking that I think has been advanced by some Penn State fans or, or Penn State affiliated uh, blogger type people, is that this uh, decision invalidates the selection committee's desire for teams to play well out of to play strong out of conference teams. Since Washington, in case you missed it, which you probably haven't, played not just nobody out uh, but maybe the single worst out of conference schedule in the entire country. They played uh, all three games at home against Rutgers. Idaho and Portland State. And, uh, you know, I think Portland State's a decent FCS team, and Idaho did, in fact, win eight games. But that that's a less than nobody slate. And Penn State faced Temple, who ended up being a top 25 team, and Pitt, who was a top 25 team. And uh, and lost one of those games, and so the Penn there 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 were individuals who were saying, well, you know, if Penn State had just decided to schedule Villanova or Youngstown or Akron or something, they might they'd be in the playoff. I have very little sympathy for that argument, and I don't think it's true. Um, Ohio State's in the playoff right now because they they played Tulsa and clobbered Oklahoma on the road. Uh, Baylor and to a lesser extent TCU missed out on the college football playoff in 2014 because their out of conference schedules were inferior uh, to Ohio State's even though Ohio State had had a bad loss out of conference. I I feel like if there's one lesson you want to take from this is if you feel 
absolutely confident that you're going to go undefeated in your conference, go ahead and schedule nobody. But that completely eliminates your margin of error. And if there's a comparable team that played somebody even marginally better, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. And, and Washington gambled, and this year they got a little bit lucky because there wasn't a comparable one-loss team. But I wouldn't look at, the, at at their scheduling model as sustainable or even desirable. Do, am I am I off base here? Yeah, I, th- I think that that's fair. And, and I think that when you look at, at Washington's schedule right now, you're right that I think in other years, or just looking back to what you said, Baylor and TCU, that non-conference scheduling, especially in Baylor's case, probably was the reason that they were left out of the playoff. But Washington, for all for all the talk about the Pac-12 not being as good, if Washington wouldn't have been so dominant in conference, maybe the committee would have thought otherwise. But they had seven wins in conference play over 20 points. Oregon, even though they were trash this season, they went on the road and they beat Oregon by 49 points. They beat Stanford by almost 40 points. They beat Cal by about 30 points on the road. Cal's not very good, but they still beat him. They beat Utah on the road. They lost to SC, but in their final three games, they beat Arizona State 44-18. They won their rivalry game on the road at Washington State 45-17, and then they beat Colorado in the conference title game by 31 points. So I think if you're going to look at why Washington got in, it's because they had one loss and because they pretty much dominated conference play. And so I think going back to criteria and and why teams make the playoffs, like you're saying, there isn't like one hard and fast rule to make the playoffs. Everybody keeps trying to like boil it down. And, and I don't think it's it's going to be like that. And there's never really going to be a system to where everybody's happy. But I think for the most part that they got it right. And I, I even think, and maybe this is something we don't have to spend a lot of time on. I think that Washington had a case to be the three seed over Ohio State too. I think that would have been fair. Yeah, I, I actually expected the Buckeyes to fall to the fourth seed by virtue of their not having a conference championship. But that's not the way things turned out. It'll be, it might be interesting for next year with Washington returns a fair number of players and their schedule is also going to be but it's at Rutgers, Montana and Fresno State. Now, to the Huskies' credit, the Rutgers series was scheduled when Rutgers was not a terrible football team. That's, you know, the problem with, with scheduling uh, out of conference games so many years in advance. This this bit, Ohio State with Washington, incidentally enough, it hurt them with Virginia Tech and it's uh, hurt them with Cal. Um, in case you're wondering if that has the potential to hurt Ohio State in the near future, a reminder, next year the Buckeyes host Oklahoma, who will be returning Baker Mayfield, a Heisman candidate. Uh, the Sooners should still be a very strong team, along with Army uh, and UNLV, who will both get plenty of fresh air and exercise. They have a home-and-home with TCU in 2018-2019, games against Power 5 or quasi-Power 5, Oregon State and Cincinnati in those years, too. Home-and-homes with Oregon, Notre Dame, and Texas all lined up here in the future. So uh, I I would expect Ohio State to announce some out of conference games for 2020 and 2021 probably by next by the by this summer that's that's about the timetable that they do it so the buckeyes should be well equipped to withstand any downturn in the big tens fortunes and what you're forgetting matt is that from what a lot of people say ohio state is a brand so it doesn't matter who they play because the committee will always let them in no matter what but but to wrap this thing yeah and penn state isn't a brand it's certainly a bigger brand than washington that was the thing i think that got me is you know that came up with the tcu and baylor yeah. thing and I, I don't think that was even a thing back then but I, I can see why tcu fans were upset about that because they were the little guy for so long and they fought their way up to the big 12 penn state fans like cry me a fucking river man like, like <laughs> you guys are just some like irrelevant footnote in college football history like get out of here 
but is it safe to say that Iowa beating Michigan was the result that swung this thing? Because I think that Michigan wins that game, and if everything plays out the way it did afterwards, and Ohio State beats them, and I, I think Washington gets left out based off of how the committee already and Kirby Hoka was saying that it was already a discussion about putting Michigan in over Washington at least the week prior to to the last playoff rankings coming out but I think that if if that game changes Ohio State and Michigan both get into the playoff and the Pac-12 champion gets left out so thank you Iowa appreciate it Kirk for it yeah I hadn't hadn't uh, hadn't really thought about that I think you're right they were looking at probably Alabama as your one seed Ohio State your two Clemson as your three and Michigan as your four. If if Iowa beats Michigan, Ohio State gets the tiebreaker. They go to the Big Ten championship game. They beat Wisconsin. They they move up. Uh, It's weird. You know, a couple years ago, Minnesota was the most important team in the universe. And this year it is Iowa and Pitt. Just as we all thought. Yeah, just just, exactly. That's, you know, Pitt's brand is like messing up people's chances at national championships. This is twice in the last 10 years. They they fucked over Penn State and they did it to uh, they did it to West Virginia. Yeah. Pitt living their best life. I'm probably going to write about that 2007 season a little bit in my book that, that that's as that's the craziest football season i can remember here in my lifetime um but we you know we have a whole off season to talk about my book and all, and all the other stuff let's i want to very briefly talk about clemson i i in, now we've had a couple of days to to kind of think about and digest this game there seems to be a general consensus at the point the ohio state would be considered a slight favorite over the Tigers. They are given a 61% win probability right now in S&P Plus, the advanced metric system that uh, Colt and I both pledge allegiance to. Uh, they are have opened between a three and a three and a half point favorite. Uh, I imagine they're going to have a slight home field advantage in Phoenix where there's a gigantic ex-Ohio community uh, and where the Buckeyes have been playing bowl games like basically every other year for the last decade and a half. So uh, I don't want to speak for you, Colton. I, I think I like Ohio State in a close game here as well, but I, I'm wondering uh, what you think the one or two things about Clemson are that would give uh, Ohio State the most problems? I I think that for me, I I don't feel as confident I think it'll be a very good game but if I had to pick one team I I would pick Clemson just because of of the defense and I I think that the biggest thing for me in this game is looking at Clemson's adjusted sack rate on offense and on defense for that matter too but to start off with their offense they're fourth in adjusted sack rate on the season and if there's one place in Ohio State's defense that I think has really been lacking as opposed to previous years and especially last season is getting after the quarterback and if you're Ohio State with Deshaun Watson maybe you do want to keep him in the pocket but I think that getting after him and making him work is going to be really essential in this game because yeah Ohio State's corners I think is good it's going to be a great matchup with what Clemson has out with wide receiver with Artavis Scott and Deion Kane and Mike Williams but I think that getting after Deshaun Watson is going to be their their main priority because I think they can handle Clemson's run game which which I, I don't really buy into is one of the best in the country and then conversely you look and they're also fourth in defensive adjusted sack rate and if we've seen Ohio State against very good defenses this season the biggest thing has been pressure and how is Isaiah Prince going to hold up to that pressure that Clemson's defensive line and linebackers are going to create and JT Barrett which you can check out on our website today Christopher Jason wrote this really long piece about Barrett and how good he's been against the blitz but when that blitz gets home when Ohio State finds itself in third and long or second and long they've really struggled this season and I think that that may be something where they find themselves a lot in in the Fiesta Bowl. So I think 
line play on both sides, especially getting after the passer and protecting JT Barrett are probably going to be the two things, at least for me, that I think will swing this game. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned the line because I, I, you know, obviously when you talk about Clemson, the first thing that, that, that comes to mind is Deshaun Watson, outstanding quarterback, uh, somebody who uh, Urban Meyer and Ohio State recruited very heavily, really wanted them to come to Columbus, stuck with Clemson the whole time, should be a very successful player in the NFL. And, and even though his stats are down compared to last year, he's throwing more interceptions their offense is a little bit more one-dimensional he's still outstanding and uh, we're going to write a lot about him this month but I'm with you the the biggest potential mismatch to me I would agree is Clemson's defensive line particularly their pass rush against Ohio State Christian Wilkins is and Dexter Lawrence uh, are just monsters and they're, they're both underclassmen Dexter Lawrence is a true freshman six and a half sacks the interior of that defensive line very 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 good Ben Bulware a you know all-american caliber linebacker somebody who's also capable of, of, of disruption Kendall Joseph capable of, of producing that disruption Carlos Watkins capable of doing that too they, they have so many really great linemen and the ability to generate pressure without necessarily blitzing or, or, or sending extra players to the line of scrimmage. And uh, your concern about Isaiah, who, who has uh, struggled very mightily in pass protection compared to Power 5 peers, and somebody that Ohio State kind of has to stick with because they don't have depth thanks to injuries along their offensive line, that's going to be a huge mismatch. Now, you get a bunch of practices and and some and a chance to kind of regroup a little bit before the bowl. So you might be able to see some improvement there, especially for some of these younger players. Maybe you even see a play a guy like Malcolm Pridgen get healthy enough to play and, and provide a little bit of depth. But that I think is going to be what decides the game. I like Ohio State's corners a lot. I like Ohio State's linebackers, just, you know, just like you do, to potentially slow down Clemson's rushing attack and make this a little bit one-dimensional game. But if Barrett can't get enough time to throw or make reads, which is a very real concern based on how good this defensive line is, they're not going to win the game. We saw how how badly they struggled against Michigan, and if Michigan hadn't just you know shotgunned themselves in the foot again and again and again, Michigan wins that game probably comfortably. Clemson has that same potential on defense, I think. Yeah, and I think that maybe the biggest area that Ohio State needs to have success in in this game other than protecting the quarterback is going to be on first downs because you look offensively Ohio State's offense is fifth in the country in first down S&P plus Clemson's defense 52nd in first down S&P plus and they've they've given up some long runs on the season so it's going to be up to Ohio State to really make it second and manageable third manageable against this defense because second down S&P plus Clemson's defense fourth and then they're the best on third down so Ohio State, I think, is going to have to get back to that formula that they've had over the past three or four seasons where they're great on first down and they get into second and three or second and four. And that way you can kind of open things up a little bit. But I think they're going to have some major issues if they find themselves in third and seven. And I think that these are two pretty evenly matched teams. And I'd like to get your take on this. But at least as we're at right now, I don't see this game being a very high scoring game. I think this is going to be for the most part a defensive showdown and that both teams match up well with each other Ohio State's corners can kind of corral what Clemson does out wide they can stop the run and Clemson can conversely do the same and get after the passer and maybe Ohio State's where they're going to win this game is being able to flip field position especially with the punts which we've seen before and we talked about before the Michigan game that field position in this game may be a huge factor that, that 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 seems fair to me too. Both of these offenses are more talented uh, and have the potential 
edged will be better than I think when they've shown this season. And you have two really, really nasty defenses. Uh, yeah, I, I, I could see both the, both teams scoring under 28 and leading to a very exciting, very close game. We're going to write about this in a lot more detail, obviously, over the next couple of weeks uh, as we dig more into the stats and dig more into the film. But but that particular matchup is the one that I am most interested in. It is also not the only bowl game that's being played. It's one here near the end. But uh, the full bowl slate has been announced as well. And I don't know about you. I'm a little bit more underwhelmed, I think, by a lot of these matchups. We uh, we ranked watchability of these for SBNation.com on a scale from one to five, and I ended up giving out a lot more ones than I did when I was expecting, and really only a handful of fives. I- I'd like to just very quickly kind of go over the Big Ten bowl slate and see, you know, which of these you're going to watch, which of these that you're emotionally invested in, and maybe some of these other games just just in general, because difficult to watch every single bowl game. Luke does it. Maybe you do, the listener. I don't. <laughs> I, I try to take some time around Christmas if I can. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll go back to Chicago with my in-laws and see some people and try to unplug a little bit, and I'm, I don't want to, you know, waste some of that to go watch the Ohio-Troy game. So, but but the, but there, there are some here that, that, are, that could be very exciting. So the, the, the first one that involves a, a Big Ten team, and I'm just going to hazard a guess that you're going to not want to watch this game, is the Quick Lane Bowl between Maryland and Boston College. (laughs) What's the over-under for that I'm assuming it's 12. (laughs) (laughs) And I would take the under. That's going to be a horrid offensive game. But I I do think if you look at all these these Big Ten Bowl games, and we'll get into them, starting with that one, I think that that holds a particular significance for Maryland because they've you know they had the recruiting somewhat I think under Randy Edsel and they really didn't beat anyone this season but for them to get to seven wins and even if it's in a shit bowl against a bad team I think would be a really nice step forward for their program so for us it's going to be a terrible bowl but I think that that's that's a big game for the future of the program at least in terms of perception of the fan base and the program going forward and I think that that's a big theme for a lot of these Big Ten bowl games this season. It's, I think it's important for both uh, programs here. Boston College trying to, to keep save Adazio's job. He's going to be on a extremely hot seat for for next year. Uh, and then Maryland trying trying to build something, trying to retain that staff. I think getting to a bowl in general, based on where they were last year, is is a success. I will, unless I'm required to by my employers, which for some of these I will be. If I am not. I will not watch any of this game. You know, if you're an aficionado with some sexy punting, you might like this, but uh, I'm going to pass. Will Iowa and Florida even have sexy punting? Like, I know there's going to be punting, but I don't even know if I don't even know if Jim Tressel could like the punting. In oh, the there's going to be lots Florida of sexy game. punting. Johnny Townsend's the best punter in the country for Florida. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, we'll, t- we'll we'll get to that in a second. The, the next Big Ten Bowl is the Holiday Bowl. It's uh, seven o'clock in the evening on Tuesday, December twenty seventh. This is Minnesota. And Washington State. What do you what do you think about this game? Because I, I I am not as down on it as I was a couple of days ago. I think it's fine. It's like a what's like the most unrepulsive food choice that everybody's like, yeah, I I would eat. Like I love peas and carrots, but maybe not everybody does. But I feel like this game is just like peas and carrots. Like that's fine. I'll eat it. If if there's another game on, sure. Whatever. I'll watch Washington State score some points. I'm not really a fan of watching anything that Minnesota does offensively or defensively, especially when it comes to throwing the ball. But uh, anytime you can watch Washington State, I think is is all right. Washington State is a fun football team. I, I, I appreciate this only because it provides, I think, a contrast in styles. 
Minnesota actually does have a pretty good secondary. And Washington State, of course, wants to throw the ball 55 times. So it's it's strength against strength. And the uh, the weakness against weakness is going to be pretty ugly. Uh, I like Washington State's offense better than I like Minnesota. Uh, rather, I like Wazoo's defense better than I like Minnesota's offense, which is Rodney Smith and Punt. I imagine Washington State should probably win by double digits, but I don't think it's a I don't think it's a putrid game. Um, the uniforms might be putrid, and I don't think Minnesota is particularly good, but it's not it's not horrible. The next one, the next day, two o'clock Eastern, uh, in the most important city in the Big Ten footprint, that's New York, in the most important Big Ten stadium in the Big Ten footprint, Yankee Stadium, the most important team in the country, Pitt faces off against Northwestern. I assume Pitt's going to win this game by like 20 points, right? Yeah, I feel like this is a game and we saw, like if you go back to the the Penn State game and watch the first couple drives, Matt Canada was like unleashing everything that he's ever learned about. Like it just all came out against Penn State and Penn State had no idea what to do. I feel like this is going to be the type of game for Pitt where Matt Canada is just like jet sweep left, jet sweep right, fullback bootleg wheel route and Pitts up like 28 to 3 at halftime, and Northwestern sitting there like, wow, another bowl game where we're getting our ass kicked. And you look at Pitts' rushing offense last or a couple weeks ago against Syracuse, 393 yards, 224 against Duke the week before that. I think that James Conner and Kadri Wilson, all those dudes are going to have a huge game, and, and Northwestern may get waxed in this one. Uh, yeah. The Pitts' offense is incredible, their defense exists. Um, you could watch this game to watch Northwestern's Austin Carr make nine catches for 116 yards uh, and, and do something really cool. But I feel like Pitt's a lot better. Now, these are always famous last words for bowl games because you never know which team is going to actually care. And there's always like one game that on paper looks to be like this colossal mismatch. Like I, I think back to the UCLA against a 5-7 and seven Nebraska team or the Georgia Tech-USC Sun Bowl. And the, the team with the vastly superior players just did not want to be there. And what looked like it should have been like an 18-point game and, and the lesser team wins. That could happen for in the Northwestern, but I, I would think Pitt cruises. The the other one that evening is my pick for the worst, the the, the second worst Big Ten Bowl game. You know, obviously, Maryland-Boston College is the worst. And my colleagues here at SB Nation disagree with me. This is the Foster Farms Bowl with Indiana against Utah. Um Maybe you feel differently, but Utah is a top. I mean, they're ranked 18 in the AP poll. They're, they're, uh, I think they're a top 25 team by almost every metric. Was in the the running for a New Year's Bowl like two weeks ago, and their reward is a six and six Indiana team that isn't even exciting on offense this year, and whose coach, a successful one, just got fired for mistreating players, I and mean, now they, they're they're bringing in Tom Allen. So it's an average team in disarray. I feel like Utah's going to crush them, and I don't think it'll be it'll be a kind of crushing that's not even fun to watch because Utah's offense is not explosive. Yeah, and, and to your point, when I look at both of these teams, like at least at least from an offensive standpoint, I know Utah plays good defense; they always have, but. Like they, they don't do anything well passing. Their, their run game's fine. I don't think it's as good as it has been. And then Indiana, they're not the chaos team that they've been. They're just, they seem this year like just another six and six team. So I, I think that this game is awful. And this is one bowl. Like I try to watch most of them, but even this one, like there's nothing about this game that excites me. No. Utah fans were extremely adamant on Twitter, but they are very, very excited to face 
the historically worst power conference team uh, of our lifetimes that is 500 and undergoing administrative upheaval. They're, they're thrilled because it's a power five team, unlike the team that they had to play last year in the Vegas Bowl that everybody was super excited about. So, you know, good for them. Enjoy your half-empty stadium in Santa Clara. Not that I'm not mad. <laughs> uh, Music City Bowl is the December 30th on Friday. The battle of the we used to be very good in the 90s bowl, Nebraska and Tennessee. Are you going to watch this? Yeah, and I think that for Nebraska, just like in, in terms of in Maryland, and maybe even more so for for the Huskers, that this is a big game. This is not not like a statement game to where they're like, oh, we're back. But for them to beat Tennessee, to beat an SEC team, and to finish the season 10-3 and three after kind of the down year they had last year in Mike Riley's first year, their recruiting has picked up a little bit. And I think for them, getting that, that sort of win, even if Tennessee isn't as good as we may have thought they were to start the season, and they're a little banged up, especially on defense, I think that that would be a nice little feather in their cap to finish the season and have a little bit of momentum going into next season and finally like all right let's at least get to the big 10 championship and for tennessee's sake they lose this game and butch jones man you're, you're heading into 2017 on a very hot seat unquestionably uh, this i think it could potentially be kind of an interesting game nebraska is capable of doing some explosive things on offense if they're able to be healthy yeah and it's like someone's going to be mad online when they lose because you know what nebraska's record's going to be if they lose this game eight and four nine, right is it eight and four nine, nine and four, four. <clears throat> they, and uh, Bo Pelini will, have finished, Pelini will have finished with a better record because the, they've advanced in the playoff, in the FCS playoffs. They'll, they'll be out of the top 25. They, they, have, they do have some recruiting momentum, but they're still not really a quarterback in the future on this roster. And, and you know, we, we have some more questions about Riley. Uh, and then you're right. But Butch, Butch Jones is then like unlikely to make it past like game six. Uh, of, of next year if with all the experience and all the expectations on Tennessee this year uh, to collapse like that. So that I think could be interesting. The single best game though, not involving Ohio state. I'm excited about this orange bowl, man, eight o'clock Florida state, Michigan. I, I think this is going to be legitimately like really good game. I am super duper excited to talk about the Knowles for the rest of the month <laughs> and to root. Like, like I've already turned heel on the podcast before. So like, I'll just embrace it. But like for all of, FSU's bad reputation and they have made some colossal mistakes here over the last couple of seasons but like I really enjoy just watching the Knowles and not not rooting for them but just like them embracing their evilness and for them to be playing Michigan I would love nothing more than to see Florida State just run all over them and I don't think that'll happen given Michigan's defense but just from a football standpoint too Dalvin Cook against that defense and I think what FSU can do with their pass rush and some of the athletes they have against Michigan this will be a pretty damn good game yeah the, the interesting storyline here for me is going to be if any of michigan's players mentally decide not to show up since this is such a senior laden and such an nfl you know draft laden team how who's willing to, to go all out and risk injury uh for a game that ultimately doesn't matter that much since, since, you're, since you're not in the playoff against a florida state team that's a little bit younger and hungrier for for that momentum especially because harbaugh's december practices are notoriously really tough it's like a second training camp maybe they won't maybe you know last year Michigan was extremely dialed in and their bowl game destroyed Florida maybe it'll be like this again I'm not sure but uh it's gonna be a fun game to watch I'm I'm here for this do you know what I'm not here for Penn State being in the row uh we'll get to that in a second uh I, I no I'm not here for the Cotton Bowl uh which is Wisconsin and Western Michigan 
Um, I, I am here for this game. You're here for this? Talk me into the Cotton Bowl. I, I mean, I don't think I don't think I can sell you on this one. I think this is just more of a personal choice. I, I like that Western Michigan is in this game. I like that they're undefeated, and I, I think that it's cool that at least for now, maybe things will change over the next couple of weeks. That PJ Fleck is pulling the reverse Brian Kelly and like leading the team into its most historic moment ever, like the BCS Bowl slash New Year's Six Bowl. And at least for now, looks like he's going to coach that game. And from a Wisconsin standpoint, they they were pretty damn close this season. And would this end up being like probably not by S and P plus, but this would probably end up being their best win because they really haven't beaten anybody this season. But I, I think going back to big games for programs even though it's western michigan i I think this is about as big as it it can get for wisconsin right now because yeah they had a good season and i know that looking back on that one podcast we did before the start of the season i thought they may not even make a me too and i think i think that this is their time to not prove it to the whole country but just prove it to at least me that they can beat a team that's good and it's at a neutral site and I think that it would be a pretty hollow season for them if they lose the Big Ten championship game and then lose this game and kind of go into next year like man we really screwed up an opportunity to to either make the Rose Bowl or have an outside shot at the playoff but I I think that this is a big perception game for Wisconsin that yeah they should take care of business here but given Western Michigan and, and what this means for them. Maybe they don't. I, I, honestly, like if, if you find any theme for this about like the Big Ten and my relationship with it, like I'm fine with Wisconsin and every single one of these teams. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Like if Ohio State wins and the rest of the Big Ten loses, that's my ideal. I don't, I, yeah, like I don't. I'm not emotionally interested in either of these teams. I think Wisconsin's a lot better. Uh, they should be like a preseason top 10 team next year. They're returning most of their dudes. They should have an overwhelming physical advantage over a Western Michigan team that S&P Plus doesn't love. But we'll see who – and P.J. Fleck is probably not the coach of Western Michigan at this point. So we'll see. Like I wouldn't be shocked if Wisconsin wins by like 30. The number one game that I'm not here for is Iowa-Florida. Uh, that's the Outback Bowl, and uh, it's after the playoff games. And both of these teams are horrendous on offense, and I, I'm going to hate it. Like, don't watch this game. I, I actually think I'm assigned to this one for work, so I'm going to have to watch it. But if you are not, if you are not being paid to watch it or you did not bet on this game, literally do anything else. Like, the the Cotton Bowl is on. Watch the Cotton Bowl. And, like, the worst part about this game, too, is it's not like one of those Saturday games or, like, a night game to where you can be like, all right, I'll hang with the buddies. We'll have a few pops. And, you know, if we have to watch it, we will. Like, no, this is a game the day after New Year's Day on a Monday where probably a lot of Ohio State fans and the rest of college football fans will be hungover. They won't be feeling well. And I don't think that there's a worse game to watch than this one. But I think maybe everybody's reverse jinxing this game so much that, like, watch it be, like, 48 to 45 and like somebody wins on a Hail Mary which definitely won't happen yeah, now no, that, 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 this, this game looks that awful happen. on that's paper. okay just just don't worry about it the last Big Ten game I'm actually very excited for this and this this is the a rare moment I think where I'm like really excited about a Rose Bowl Penn State and USC two teams that have been playing some of the best football in the country outside of playoff teams they have exciting offenses they have athletic secondaries they have fun running backs I'm going to be rooting for USC I imagine you you will be as well but like this should be a fun football game. Penn State's got a great offense. If Joe Moorhead's still around then, like, this should be great. It should be, you know, well-matched and two teams that can score in the 30s. Yeah, the two hottest teams in college football, trademark sign. But I, I think that what what I, what I most interests me about this game is USC's just been rolling over dudes for basically the last two months. And 
I, I really think that there's a chance that they blow Penn State out of the water because for as good as Penn State has played as of late, there's still that part of me that's like, well, you can score on them. And if you just force Trace McSorley into a few misthrows, then the game can start to roll if Penn State isn't having success running the ball. And I, I think that USC has kind of realized the, the full potential of themselves or the, their best self. And I think that USC has a lot to gain from this one to just put their stamp on the season, go out and kick Penn State's ass. And I know it's the projected margin right now is 3.4. I think USC is going to roll in this game. I am not nearly as confident, but I am confident that I'm going to really enjoy watching it on television. We'll, we'll see what happens. We're running a little bit long here. So I'll get you out of here on this. Other than uh, give me a bowl game that does not involve a Big Ten team and that doesn't involve Alabama that you are particularly excited about. Uh, I think the Camellia Bowl between Michigan's biggest rivals, Appalachian State, and the city that wishes it were in Michigan to leave. <laughs> that, that's, that's a pretty good the, – the first day of bowl season – has two pretty good G5 games, Toledo, App State, Houston, San Diego State. Uh, You should definitely watch both of those. For later in the year, I am excited about Louisville, LSU, and the Citrus Bowl. Um, Most likely your Heisman winner and an electric offense against uh, Cocho and a, a really good defense. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, that might be the, the, the biggest non like New Year's elite game that I'm really excited about and um, might be kind of fun to watch Boise State uh, beat Baylor by like 52. Yeah. And there's a couple other, I think Miami, West Virginia, yeah. presents an intriguing matchup. Miami's consistently kind of, been a good game. Both these teams have really flew under the radar this season. And I think that Miami has a chance to make a statement and, and head into next season with people saying, wow, they, they had a pretty damn good year. Same with West Virginia mm-hmm. too, Colorado, Oklahoma State. State, I think, is a pretty good matchup. You'll get to see Oklahoma State's offense versus what Colorado has in their secondary and see if Colorado can kind of get back on track after the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, I don't know how much of the Oklahoma-Auburn game I want at all, but I, I do think that it's a fairly decent uh, it's a fairly decent bowl season, and there should be some good games. Yeah, uh, you know, you're, you're a little bit more into it than me. That's okay. Uh by the end of the year, I will assuredly be proven wrong as I've been on most of my uh, predictions. Speaking of those, we'll we'll revisit our preseason predictions in a little bit on Land Grant Holy Land. Um, spoiler alert, I, I haven't even looked at them, but I'm going to assume I was wrong on most important things. I picked Ohio State to go 9-3. Yeah, I, I, I yeah, was very I definitely wrong. had them missing the playoff, too. Quick other announcements before we let you go. One, we are selling two T-shirts right now. We are selling – we have like, about a dozen more – left of the actually the spot was good uh black t-shirts they're extremely comfortable they make fun of michigan they're internet meme so you gotta love them you can find those the, those are on land grant and uh we'll, we'll drop this in the post we're also selling uh playoff celebration shirts that say we're in same company that sponsors it they're they're soft like hom- like homage shirts the delivery is very quick uh helps support the site you know we encourage you to go pick up one of those that they make they make great holiday presents we are going to be digging more into the Clemson matchup and the assistant coaching and, and head coaching carousel uh, over the next couple of days, and as well as Ohio State basketball, which is heading into the deep part the or the interesting part of their non-conference uh, schedule very shortly. So thank you for following along. We are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud. We are on our website. Uh, you know, if you have an Ohio State friend in your life, let them know about the podcast. Um, and with that, my friends... We'll let you go. I need to go. Uh, I need to go take some more acetaminophen here myself. I am Matt. That's Colton. Thanks for listening, and go Bucks.